0: Yes, you, it's wonderful to be here with you. Of course, not, the, uh, not a term from the Bible, but we refer to it as the transfiguration. And if you remember, uh, less than five months ago, we actually had a transfiguration text because on the last Sunday of Epiphany, we have, I uh, believe, Matthew's version of the transfiguration. And guess what? I preached that Sunday, so I had to think about how I was going to preach today and not repeat myself and, and just go through and explain the transfiguration and our eventual transfiguration into glory, though those things are important. And as I was thinking through this, I realized something. Our letter, our epistle from Peter today, from Peter's second letter, is is the same Peter who was on the mountaintop. And of course, he makes the reference to the experience on the mountaintop. But this is a different Peter. This is a changed Peter. Uh, It's the same Peter, but a different Peter, a Peter who has changed over time because of his experience with Jesus. Have you ever heard uh, someone say, I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, or a year ago? We've all heard someone say that, and all of us can probably identify uh, with that sort of statement because we've all, we're all acutely aware of changes in our own lives, whether they're uh, pol- our political stances, or our uh, physical uh, bodies, or spirituality, or just our lives in general. We are aware of changes. We're not the same person we uh, were back then. Ten years ago, I was a 23-year-old with no kids and no religion. Uh, my, how things do change. When we first meet uh, Peter... In the gospels, is isn't he, if we're, if we're honest and Jesus calls him and Peter drops his net and, and follows him. And I always wonder, what was he thinking then? Why did he follow Jesus? He must've been thinking, why not? What have I got to lose? I'm just a, just a guy fishing. And so he follows Jesus and Peter is a disciple who is well-intentioned. He has good intentions, but he is just so ignorant and immature and Peter's fearful. He's anxious. He's cowardly throughout the Gospels. He takes that whole uh, put your foot in your mouth thing to 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 a new level, doesn't he? And then, of course, there's the disastrous denial, Peter's denial. Peter, who says to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, even if it means death, and who hours later betrays him, denies knowing him three times. I do not know the man. And when those words were on his lips and that rooster crowed for the third time, uh, Peter became woefully aware of his own wretchedness. But the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. Thanks be to God. When we see Peter next, he is in a conversation with the resurrected Jesus. And Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And he does that three times. And it's almost a reversal of the three times that Peter had denied Jesus just days before. And in that picture, there's a shining image of God's grace, even to someone who had blatantly denied him before others with lips. This is a God who can restore the worst of sinners. Then we go on and we see a different Peter, a transformed Peter in the book of Acts. And most of us have read through the book of Acts. And what you see in the book of Acts is, is not a dim-witted, slow, uh, bumbling Peter. You see a bold teacher, preacher, and healer. Someone who was so changed by his encounter with the crucified and risen Lord that he becomes a different person. He is not the person he was years before. Peter becomes empowered by God's Spirit in a way that he had never experienced before. Then we get to Peter's own letters, like we hear from today. We call them First and Second Peter. They're kind of at the very end of the Bible. And this Peter, who once denied Jesus with his own lips for fear of suffering, now says things like this, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. And if anyone suffers for being a Christian, let them not be ashamed, but glorify God for being able to bear that name. stance has changed. Now, these are not just hypocritical moral platitudes that Peter is spouting off. Peter himself, and if you read the book of Acts, you will see this, Peter himself knew the sting of Roman whips and disease-ridden prisons for his gospel-spreading efforts. Peter had gone through suffering. Now, when we get to Peter's letter today, the second letter of Peter, what we have is somewhat of a farewell discourse. Peter is uh, saying to his audience, the Lord has made known to me that I'm going to die soon. Um, and this is what I have to say to you before I die. This is what I have to say to you who are my flock, who are under my shepherding. The Lord commissioned me to shepherd you. I have to make every effort to tell you of the things that you need to recall because there is always a danger Then he points to the transfiguration. He says, I I myself, we ourselves experienced his majesty and his glory on that mountaintop and heard the father's voice of affirmation saying, this is my son, the chosen, listen to him. Now, why does Peter point to the transfiguration? What is so interesting to him or what is so important about it that he points to? First of all, he's telling his people, I personally experience God giving his approval and affirmation of the Messiah, saying this is the chosen one. This is the one you need to listen to. This is the one that you need to live for and die for. Now, here's the other thing. This is also what happened on the mountaintop. Who appears beside Jesus on the mountaintop? Moses and Elijah. Now, these guys have been dead for ages. Why are they showing up in glory with Jesus? Well, what Luke is showing us is that Jesus is revealed to be carrying out what God was doing in the Old Testament, what God began in the Old Testament. Moses and Elijah are, of course, our Old Testament prophets and leaders who are carrying out the purposes of God then. And when they appear, the gospel authors are telling us there is a continuity here. Uh, Jesus is the glorified son of God, and he is continuing the work that God began in these figures from the Old Testament. That's an important point for us um, in our day and age when so many people want to reject the Old Testament and think that the New Testament is something totally, totally different. It's a, there's almost a little bit of a mistake in calling it the Old Testament because it makes us think it's something old we don't have to pay attention to. Some uh, Bible scholars refer to it as the First Testament uh, and the New Testament as the New Testament. This continuity cannot be overlooked. Here's what Peter says to to emphasize the continuity. Peter, remember, is writing at a time when the New Testament was not yet composed. It was not yet put together. He was just writing a letter that was getting circulated. And when he speaks of Scripture, he speaks of the Old Testament. And so he says things like this. We have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. He's talking about seeing Jesus' glory and majesty. We have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. And then he goes on and says, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Here's what he's doing. He's saying you need to know that the Jesus, the real Jesus, is the revealed Jesus, the Jesus revealed in God's word, who we could almost get a taste for in the Old Testament when God began his work, but who we see fulfilling that work in the New He's calling their attentions to the real Jesus so that they do not fall astray to a false Jesus. Now, why does he emphasize this real Jesus as the Jesus revealed in Scripture? Well, if you read the entire letter, you will start to get an understanding of the context in which Peter is writing and why he's writing with such sincerity and urgency. Here's what's going on. There's been false teaching already in the earliest days of the church uh, creeping in. And what Peter was experiencing was he, he was seeing people that were new to the faith getting lured away from the real Jesus. That is what you will see if you read the entire letter. People were getting... lured away from the real Jesus there were these false teachers going around and saying well you can follow Jesus and you can still have your old sexual lifestyle you can follow Jesus and you can still put your own pleasure and comfort above others and Peter felt very strongly about this as one commissioned by the good shepherd to shepherd his sheep later in the letter just to give you a feel for the tone of the letter and the seriousness of the issue later in the letter this is how Peter describes these teachers who are leading people astray I feel like before I read this, I have to make one of those movie announcements like the following material may not be suitable for some hearers. It's pretty harsh, but here's what he says. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the deepest darkness has been reserved. For they speak bombastic nonsense, and with licentious desires of the flesh, they entice people who have just escaped from those who live in error. You see, that sounds a bit harsh and intolerant to our modern ears, But in those words, we hear the concern, the loving concern of an under shepherd who has been commissioned by the good shepherd to care for his people and to make sure that they follow the good shepherd. Now, if you think that this sort of uh, teaching, a sort of watered down Jesus, was just a problem back in the early church and we've got it all sorted out now, uh, I have to tell you that it is an ongoing thing, that it has been an ongoing thing through the ages. It is an ongoing thing in our own day. Now, uh, we see this today in the sort of Jesus of pop culture, the Jesus of New York Times bestsellers, a Jesus who likes to slap high fives and, and, and uh, be a good buddy Jesus. And he, uh, all he really cares about is you finding uh, your best life now and you finding prosperity and comfort. But this Jesus, this Jesus of popular culture, he bears no cross. He wears no crown of thorns for self-giving love. And he turns out in the end to be no Jesus at all. See, it's an issue even in our day to make sure that we're following the real Jesus, who is the revealed Jesus of Scripture. It is so important for Christians to have our imaginations shaped first by Scripture, by the Jesus we meet here, before they get shaped by anything else. Peter knew the danger personally. Remember, Peter once chose personal comfort over an uncomfortable commitment to follow a crucified Lord. Peter himself chose the comfortable path. He made that mistake. And he's saying, I don't want you to make the same mistake. I don't want you to fall away from the Jesus, the Jesus who calls you to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him, no matter what the cost. He didn't want Jesus' followers to think that they could follow the Lord and live the same way that they used to live. You see, Peter knew this. We can't accept the comfort of knowing Jesus without also accepting the discomfort of following him. We can't accept the comfort of knowing Jesus without accepting the discomfort of following him. It is uncomfortable sometimes to be a disciple of Jesus. Here's how it works. Um, You can't claim his forgiveness and then withhold it from others. Uh, Jesus himself taught that. We can't bless the Lord with a mouth that also curses and dishonors other people who are made in his image. That's a, that's a hard one. Uh, we can't receive blessings from his hand and then refuse to give others to others freely and abundantly. We can't swear allegiance to a holy God, but let sexual immorality or gluttony or greed have power over us. We can't say we believe in God's grace to sinners and to his enemies and then refuse to extend grace to our enemies. You see, we have to accept the discomfort of being disciples who bear crosses even when it's difficult. This is Peter's concern. This is Peter's concern that God's people would not experience the transformation that comes about by a personal encounter and ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. He was terrified that maybe they would think, Well, as as long as I'm just a little bit of a nicer person and I volunteer at soup kitchens and I swear less often, then, then I'm good. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with those things. But the thing is that Jesus came to do something more, to lead us into a life that is so much more than that. Peter knew the transforming love of Jesus personally. He knew it himself. He himself, who was slow to come around, knew in the end what it was to follow Jesus. Tradition tells us that shortly after writing this farewell discourse, uh, Peter would be hung upside down on a Roman cross. Peter was not the same. Peter was not the same at the end of his life as he was 20 or 10 years or a year before. Because Jesus changes people. Jesus changes people. Having a personal encounter and an ongoing relationship with Jesus changes us. It changes us. Now I said Christianity is not just about being a good person. Um, let me say, let me tell you what I mean by that. Mark Twain, who is a very famous writer, um, you probably know the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and those sort of books. He was uh, very much a critic of Christianity. And Mark Twain said this about the church. He said, the church is where good people stand in front of good people and tell them how to be good people. <laughs> Friends, if 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 that is what our Christianity can be reduced to, we have missed everything about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus because it is so much more. It is so much more than that. It is to choose an uncomfortable path of transformation that he calls us to. Towards the end of our passage, Peter uh, says this to his writers. He says, it would do you well to be attentive to, To this, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, he's talking about the real Jesus, the Jesus whose glory and majesty he saw revealed on that mountain. He said, "Pay attention to this. There are so many dangers in in following a false Jesus. Pay attention to this, as a lamp shining in a dark place, friends. That that dark place uh, is sometimes it's the world we're surrounded by. Uh, It's sometimes sometimes our own hearts." Uh, Sometimes our own selfishness, our own anger, our own greed, our own unforgiving attitudes. But here's the good news. Peter says there's a lamp shining in the darkness. And that lamp is, in fact, the light of the world. And here's what you have to know. His mercy knows no limits. His mercy knows no limits. Peter, who denied him three times, was restored. The mercy of Jesus knows no limits. He shines today in all of his majesty, just like he did on the mountaintop, and the darkness will not overcome him. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we stand in your presence, in your glory and your majesty, which has been graciously revealed to us in your word You have shown us who you really are. You've conveyed us to yourself in narratives and stories of human words. We ask that you would continue to show us who you are, that you would continue to show us where in our lives we are falling short of being your disciples, of where we've been choosing comfort over the sometimes pain and suffering of being a disciple, whether that's the pain of forgiving someone else or giving up resources or time so that someone else can flourish. Lord, teach us to be people who can say, because of my personal encounter with Jesus, I'm not the same person I used to be. I've been changed by seeing his glory, especially in his self-giving love and in his resurrection. And Lord, as we gather around your table now as your people, to have intimate communion with you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you always invite us back no matter where we are in our lives and you pour out your grace upon us. Help us, Lord, to be so aware of your presence and intimacy in this sacrament. All of this we offer up before you in your holy name, amen.